If you'd like, you can turn a few pages over in the bulletin. There's a list of, of prayer needs. Shelf? Thing? There? Yes? Um, words? I don't know. Anyway. Um, all right. I'm grateful for everyone who's a part of ministering to our youth and our children and our Thank you, Alishka, for organizing that. Um, she is our children's ministry director. She figures out the, the nursery schedule and the, and the children's church schedule and revive schedule. Thank you for that. She loves and I draw attention to her as well. Um, but I'm very grateful for all of you who, I just realized for those of you who, who do that and give that time and sacrifice, I, I, we, we very much appreciate it. Um, if you would, turn in your Bibles or in the bulletin to um, 1 Peter 3. Uh, we're continuing our look at this book. I was glad for um, a break last week and also doubly blessed by uh, Justin's uh, sermon to us as we think about this new year, as we think about what's really important and, um, and uh, that we stop you know, striving after recreating ourselves you know, these resolutions, this time I'm going to get it right, but really just rest in the fact that Christ has got it right for us, and, and we're going to rest in Him more. That's, that's the only resolve we need, and the thing we need is to more and more look to Christ and, and look to Him to help. And, and, you know, on that note, we're looking to this passage, which is one of the two big passages in the New Testament on marriage. And I don't want us to lose sight of the overall context. I'm going to cover that in a minute. But um, this, is, this is not so much... A, sometimes we, we open up these, these, um, these passages where there's clear application, right? This is not a, a gospel passage per se. It's, it's an imperative. It's the application of the gospel to our lives. And sometimes we read this as, okay, I'm just going to do this. I can do this. Like a resolution. Um, I, I hope this is convicting. I hope it's humbling. Um, not all of us in the room are married. Some of us have yet to be married. Some of us have been married and are not. Some of us uh, are all in different stages. But this, this, in this passage about marriage, uh, a passage to wives and to husbands, there's really something for all of us. So I want to say that first and foremost. There's something for all of us here. And um, this is, again, but it's not something you and I can attain in our own strength. I want to say that. This is, this is we need not just the example of Christ, we need the power of Christ. So hear it in that way. Remember the gospel. Remember it's Jesus at work in you. It's Jesus that's completing the good work he began in you. And this is a way he wants that to be cultivated uh, in our lives. And so... With that said, um, let me pray and then let's read. Gracious God, we come again to your word um, that's holy, inspired, inerrant. Um, it's true in all that it affirms. You preserve, you, you, you cause men to write it and then you've preserved it throughout the ages. And we give you thanks for that. And we pray now that you would open our hearts to hear it. Uh, that we would um, think about what we're hearing, think about what we're reading. Give me the words to speak, um, work um, the gospel into our hearts, and Lord, may that transform the way we live, um, especially as husbands and wives live together. May that be transformed through the gospel. Um, thank you for applying it so well here in this text. 
through your servant Peter. And we, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Peter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Um, as I was reading this, um, a movie came to mind that I like. Again, some of you are not surprised that I'm using a movie here. But it's the last line of a movie. It's not a movie you would think of that's about marriage, but it's, uh, it's Open Range, which is a, one of the best westerns, I think. And it's a, in the midst of gunfights and, and things like that, there is this love story between a very unlikely, you know, not marriage material man and a woman who's late in life and never been married and never hoped to get married, but they, some, they're in, their lives, you know, entangle there. They, and they, they meet, and it's, and it's really a, a beautiful kind of love story in the midst of this. But at the end of the movie, there, as as he's asked her to be his, to be his bride, he still has to get the cattle to where they're going. He still has to do the cattle drive, so he's going to have to leave for a few months after proposing. So she's seeing him off, and she goes, "Okay, this is Kevin Costner's character. He's playing Charlie Waite, and then uh, Sue Barlow is played by Nat Benning. I know y'all were wanting to know that, but uh, he goes." Okay, now, go on. Go on back while we can still see the houses. I want to see you. I don't want you to be too far off as we leave. And she just sits there on her horse. Okay, we're leaving. Go, go, go back. Go back to the house. She just sits there. And he goes, how is this going to work if you don't do what I say? <laughs> and uh, she laughs like y'all laughed. <laughs> And then he kind of, okay, and they, you know, kiss and he rides off. It was such, a, such an honest, you know, innocent question this guy has. He has no idea what marriage is. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's proposed, he's, he's loves this woman, he's proposed, he's like, how is this even going to work? What, what's going on? How is it? And it's, it's so true, it's so honest. I love that, I love that little, that, that, the, that, that statement there. How is this going to work if you don't do what I say? Um... I've never asked Camille that. <laughs> uh, and it's working. Okay, so, uh, but uh, we're, we're talking about, we read this passage and here it is. It's about, there's submission, there's 
even the example of Sarah, which is really, if you go, okay, you know, be sojic, submit, call him Lord, what? You know? <laughs> okay. Uh, but here, here are the things I want us to see. There's something here, there's, there's a clear statement, application of the gospel to wives, a clear application to husbands, and then there's application for all of us. And here are my points. The, the submission, I want us to first look at the submission and beauty that draws that can draw husbands to Jesus. The submission and beauty that can draw husbands to Jesus. Second, the understanding and honor that points that can point wives to Jesus. And then thirdly, the application for all who serve Jesus. Uh, the submission and beauty that draw husbands to Jesus, the understanding and honor that point wives to Jesus, and then finally, the application for all who serve Jesus. Jesus. Uh, and then, first point, uh, to wives. You, you notice here there's, that there's a lot more said to the wives and the husbands here. It's really the opposite of Ephesians 5. That's the other place you go to. That's usually the, the one you go to, the one you hear at, at weddings, the one that doesn't have so much about obey and call your husband Lord. That, that one doesn't get quoted as much at the weddings. Um, but, but, you know, but there's that other one, and, and there the much more said to the husband. And so the first question you have when you read this is, why, why so much said to, to wives? Why the opposite of Ephesians 5? Uh, different writers, Paul wrote a fee, the letter to the Ephesians here. Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter wrote First Peter. That's pretty obvious. But one, one commentator thought, well, it's probably because he's, he knows who he's writing to. And there's a lot of women who fit this description in this congregation. There's a lot of believers who are wives to unbelieving husbands. That's likely why he spends more time talking to them. That's good. That's a, that's a very common thing. You know, you, you, you look at Acts and, you know, uh, you see Paul going and, and preaching the gospel, preaching to, uh, going to the synagogue first. And if that doesn't work, going to the marketplace. That doesn't work. He goes to, he went down to the river where the women were washing clothes. It, so when you, when you look at the scripture, you know, the apostles weren't just trying to, target men in a very male-dominated society, they were also sharing the gospel with, with everyone. Again, uh, uh, th- th- there's this, uh, this idea that, again, that uh, an apostle, a teacher of, uh, of, the, of God's word, would give a specific application to, to wives is pretty revolutionary um, when you consider the context and the, and the society that, that Peter is part of. Uh, again, it was, it was weird, strange for Jesus to speak to a woman. If he was a rabbi, which they called him a teacher, they didn't hold counsel. They didn't do Bible studies with women. It was only with the men. And so Jesus' example of, of reaching out and, you know, not, not you know, he was, a, he, was not a, he was a trendsetter. He was a rebel in that way. You think about the woman at the well. And here you have Peter writing... Again, before you get caught up in this seems demeaning and he seems like he's talking down to these women, he's actually validating the wives by applying God's word to them, which is wonderful. So he's considering his, probably considering the recipients of the letter, but it's also the context of the letter. The letter is to, is kind of highlighting these points, these, these areas where we as Christians are to be distinct. And if you go back to chapter 2, if you look earlier in the chapter, the previous chapter, 
He's talking about being submitting, keeping your... Well, look at verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Uh, We are distinct in this world, is what he's saying. And then verse 11, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul, keep your conduct among Gentiles honorable. So we're talking about having honorable conduct that that shows, not just that we're just saying, preaching the gospel, but also demonstrating it. And then he gets into uh, examples. How are we to live when we're living under institutions that are unjust? How do we submit to the, to the government. And he says we are to be good citizens and submit to the government. Even, even in their... Even when it's, we recognize that um, it's not God-honoring. Um, he talks about how to, how to be subject to masters. Again, this is a society, he's not advocating, he's not pro-slavery, but he's speaking to people who live in a culture where there is slavery. And he's saying, how do you, it's not just how you act toward the good masters, but how do you respond when you're punished unjustly? And again, there's this attitude of submission and gentleness and, and, and kindness and graciousness that's supposed to shape all of our lives. And so now he's talking about the, the person that's in the submission role in the marriage. Okay? So the, the, the citizen in relationship to the government, the, the, the slave or, or, or employee in relation to the master or boss, and now he's talking to wives. These are areas where it's really hard it's really difficult to, 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 to be Christ-like. And so um, it's not just, all right, I'm going to beat the wives up. It's, this is a, in much of society at the time, and still today, wives are abused by husbands. There's this, the power differential is off. There's sin in that. And, and he's speaking to women who are struggling living with someone who doesn't love them in a Christ-like way. Um, Now let me say this. This is not an absolute statement of be subject in all things. Um, There's, again, there's, in the scriptures it talks about there being um, reasons, biblical reasons for divorce, for infidelity, uh, unfaithfulness, abandonment, and um, you can. We believe it, and I'm I'm speaking for I'm I'm, I'm about ninety nine percent sure I'm speaking for all of the elders here. I'm speaking definitely for myself. Any kind of emotional, ongoing emotional, spiritual, physical, especially physical abuse, we deem as abandonment. Um, and and so there are there are reasons that a wife should not live with her husband there's but uh, we're talking about except for those cases where there's biblical reasons for for um, for divorce again God wants men and women to come together husbands and wives to to, to try to reconcile but yet this does does not mean to submit in all things especially sinful things and um, that's not what he's calling but he's saying when you're when you're when these women who come to come to salvation and yet whose husbands are still going to the pagan, pagan temple who, who don't believe, how, how should you conduct yourselves? And, um, and so it's, it's, it's given us specific context, but it really also gives uh, instruction to how, how wives are to conduct themselves 
um, in, in, in marriage, whether married to a believer or unbeliever. All these things apply. But let's go back to this. So it, it says that wives uh, are to, they, 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 there's submission and there's beauty that draw husbands to Jesus. We see that. Um, uh, the submission again um, is not something new. Just that's not specific to wives. Um, it's it's throughout Scripture. It says it begins with likewise. The verse begins with likewise, and that refers us back to what we looked at a couple weeks ago. The example of Jesus, verse twenty one. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. So the call to submission is, is, is not um, just uh, women's work. It's, it's Christ's likeness. He's not calling women to be, to be more feminine. He's calling women to be more Christ-like in the way they conduct themselves with their husbands. He's calling them to walk in the light of Christ. That's what our series is called, Walking in the Light of Christ and Living According to His Example. So what does this submission look like? It's, it's the respectful and pure conduct. It's another way he, he describes it here, respectful and pure conduct. And he says that that submission, that respectful, pure conduct... Um, is the wife's true beauty. Um, and then he says something here that's troubling, uh, maybe for some of you. Verse 3, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, putting on of gold jewelry, and the clothing you wear. Uh, some, some have read that and gone, well, there it is. There's uh, braiding hair is a sin. Uh, gold wearing jewelry is a sin. Being adorned in any kind of thing is a sin. I'm convinced that's not what this is saying. Some people have read that very literally and go, that's the reason why you can't trust the scripture because it says things like that. And I've saw a Christian with braided hair the other day. And so, you know, what do you do with that? But um, what it's saying is not, not that these things are sinful, outer adornment. But it's a lesser to the greater, is what I think he's saying. It's, it's in the same way that when the Scripture talks about the, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, Christ. It's not saying that the covenant God made with Moses was bad. If you look at Hebrews. But, but the New Covenant in Christ is so much better. It's greater. It's, it's, more, it's more full. It's more wonderful. And so, it's not saying, ladies, that... That it's bad to wear makeup or, or fix your hair up or, or wear nice clothes or even put some jewelry. That, I'm convinced it's not saying that. But it's saying let that not be the, the most important thing to you. Man, that, let that be the most distinguishing aspect of what it is to be beautiful. He's saying what's, what's most important, what's, what's of much greater, and then he says uh, you know, uh, eternal worth, something that doesn't fade, is the internal beauty. That's to be the focus. That's to be your focus if, if you're a wife, is cultivating this internal beauty, the hidden person of the heart. Having, again, a gentle and quiet spirit. That's, that's, what's the, that's the true beauty of, of a wife, a godly wife, according to this passage. Um, some of you are saying... Um, does this mean gentle and quiet spirit means that I'm supposed to uh, sit there and keep my mouth shut? No. 
That's not what it's saying either. Uh, it, it is saying, though, again, what, how do we characterize Jesus? Gentle and lowly, meek, not uh, you know, putting self before others, not asserting, you know, not being overbearing, but, but being kind and gentle. Again, not just feminine qualities, Christ-like qualities. It's, it's the job of both husband and wife to point each other and the world to Jesus and, filling, and, and fulfilling their respective roles. That's what's going on. And so, um, focus, so, so, so ladies, he's not saying, uh, you know, keep your mouth shut, be quiet. It's saying, focus on cultivating this, this Christ-like submission. And, and, and to kind of help bring it home, he, he gives us an example, the example of Sarah. Um, was Ab- Abraham and Sarah, was this a, good, a perfect marriage? No, <laughs> it wasn't. If you, if you want to look at it, there's, there's a lot of wrong, mainly with Abram, Abraham, right? He, it takes him a while to get to the point of really trusting Yahweh, doesn't it? He believes God and it's counted to him as righteousness, but there are times along the way before the, the birth of his of son, son Isaac, where he just messes up in major ways. Twice, twice, twice. Out of fear for his own life, he pretended like Sarah wasn't his wife and gave her over to be another man's wife. Twice. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Um... Many times, uh, I mean, uh, and then Sarah herself also struggled to believe God's promise and go, look, too much pressure, I don't see this happening. She laughed when the promise was made, take my concubine. (laughs) Uh, Maybe that's, you know, maybe you're supposed to have a second wife that's never good. Not, wasn't good. But this wasn't a perfect marriage and, and he wasn't a perfect husband by far, but this whole thing about obedience and calling him Lord, she followed him. She trusted not so much in him, though her faith was weak, though she messed up, and his faith was clearly weak at times, and he messed up a lot. What was she trusting? What was her thing? It's, look what it says in verse... Um, let's see. Um, verse 5. For this is how the holy women who... Hoped in God used to adorn themselves. I want to make that very clear. This is how the women who hoped, not in their husbands, but who they, who they hoped in God. And, 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 and Abram's, Abraham's brokenness and his imperfect faith, she followed him, left the land of Ur, left all that she knew, went out, to be a nomad because he said, God told me to. And he made me this promise. And they both struggled along the way. And he struggled big time. And he, he sinned against her numerous times. And, but they were both struggling to figure out God's plan. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying that his sin was okay. I'm not, saying, I'm, not, I'm not trying to downplay that. But you see what it looks like. It's not, it's not that she just kind of was a, a passenger along for the ride. She was very much a part of, 
of this process. She, she had to consent and go and trust the Lord, hope in God's promise with her husband and follow his lead. You know, it, if you think about it, and I, don't, I don't know if you realize this, you know, did you know that Peter's wife went with him? Paul, when he's writing in 1 Corinthians 9, he's, it's kind of an aside thing. It's not his main point, but 1 Corinthians 9, verse 5, he says, Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? He's talking about ministry. As do the other apostles and brothers of the, of the Lord and Cephas. That's Peter. Can you imagine being Peter's wife? You know how he talks to Jesus. You know how he's just kind of... First thing off the top of his head, that's got to be hard. (laughs) But look what he's being called to do. He's, Peter knowingly is doing, taking part in a ministry, gospel ministry, where he knows he's very well heading to martyrdom. Jesus told him as much. Jesus told him, you're going to die for my, for me. And she goes, okay, let's go. That's hard. Submission uh, doesn't mean just do what you're told. Husbands, remember, that's not what this means, ladies. It means cultivating a Christ-likeness in the way you you deal with your husband. Uh, Gordon Bell says, submission doesn't mean I'll do everything you say. It's more like I'm on your team and I believe in what we're trying to do together. That's submission. I'm on your team and I believe what we're trying to do together. Again, the hope of the, this, this life is not someone who has all their hope and trust in their husband. It's their hope is in God. And His promises and what He's doing and what He's ordained through this institution, this relationship of marriage. So ladies, good news. You can wear your hair up. You can wear your jewelry. Um, it's okay, but really, you can, um, you're not to be just sit there and shut up and do what you're told. That's not what any of this is saying. It's saying support your husbands, love your husbands in a Christ-like way. Support them in what God's calling you both to do. Don't just, it's not just saying just act feminine, but act in a, in a way that Jesus would. Supporting, loving, helping, being, what, uh, being what, what Adam needed from Eve, to be a helpmate. Being that. But it's also, no, it, it, it doesn't take away the fact, this is hard. Look what it says. Um, and, and you are her children, verse 6, the children of Sarah... If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. That seems like nonsense, doesn't it? Don't fear what's frightening. What what does that mean? Well, if it's frightening, I'm probably going to be afraid. I mean, that's why it's... What? But what... He's saying to these women, especially these women who are married to unbelievers, I know this is scary. I know this is hard. I know it's hard for you to look at this man and trust him with making decisions and trust that God's going to work through this other person and do life together. This is hard. 
And it was really hard then, especially if you're married to an unbelieving man, but even if you're married to a believer, it can be frightening. Just looking to someone else, trusting another person is frightening. Because if you're honest, this guy doesn't have it together, right? This guy ain't Jesus, right? But we submit and we're doing it unto the Lord. And what does God say? It's precious, it's beautiful to Him. When wives do this, it's, it's beautiful, it's precious in His sight. Why? Because He's going, there's my son. That's, that's awesome. You can trust me to be at work in this marriage. Um, the second point, understanding and honor that points wives to Jesus. Um, there's less said here, but I, it, there's still a lot to say to, to, to husbands. He says, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor. I, one commentator just pointed this out. I, just, I never thought about this before. He says, don't skip the very first two words. Live with. Live with. And again, I'm not calling out if you're married and you, and you do, and some of you have, you have a job that takes you away for weeks at a time. That, that's understandable. That happens. Um, but when you're home, when you're together, are you doing life with each other? Um, it's okay, I would say, to have you know um, di- division of responsibilities. Some of our households here may be quite traditional in that. Some of us are you know old school because we are old and old school, and that's okay. Some of us are younger and th- have different thoughts about that. And you know, um, just confession: uh, my wife handles the money because she's better at it than me. And y'all don't. I, I, I trust, I'm, I'm relying on the deacons when it comes to our money, okay? All right, just, it's okay. Uh, but, uh, don't get scared. I, I, do, I do know how, what money is. Uh, but uh, she, she, she moves it around and makes sure we pay the bills because she's better at it. But like, there, there's different, different ways of doing that. But look, even if you have more division, a division of labor in your household, someone, you know, somebody, you know husband does work more, mostly outside, wife only works at home. This is calling us to do life together. And it's, it's calling us not just to kind of, I'm going to enter into your orbit, wife, when I'm home and then leave it. And I'm my own entity that kind of an own planet without any kind of orbit that just kind of floats around the universe. I didn't write that out, but does that make sense? Anyway, <laughs> that, that's not how, that's how I think men in our sinfulness want to behave. That's my own fleshliness. I'm just going to kind of pop in. We're good over here. All right, I'm going to go to do the other thing. We're supposed to do life together. One flesh. One life. Um, I'm going to start singing a YouTube song here in a minute, if you know it. Anyway, but... Uh, one love. We get to share it. It leaves you, baby, if you don't care for it. That's a good song. Anyway, that's a good line. But um, it, it's, it's doing life with... Helping, doing, talking about life, talking about vocational life, talking about home life, being involved with the kids, being involved with doing laundry, being involved doing all the things, doing life together. Again, not a, not a 50-50 necessarily uh, division of labor, but 
do life with your spouse. Care about what they care about. Men, that's what we're called to do um, in an understanding way. Or uh, live with them with knowledge. Live with your wife, husbands, with knowledge of them. Um, I heard a joke. And I, I want you, don't, don't, this is a joke, okay? There's this joke, this guy was praying on the beach and God appeared to him and said, well, if you give me, you know, what, what do you, anything you want, any wish you want, I'll grant it. He goes, um, this is out in California. He goes, you know, I love Hawaii. If you could build a bridge to Hawaii so I can go anytime I want, that'd be great. He goes, you know, that's a big ask. Uh, that's a real selfish, a very materialistic uh, request. Um, you know, you realize how much concrete and labor it would take to bring that about. It's just, that's, just, that's, just, that's, 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 that's materialistic, self-centered, no. Think about another, another thing. This is God speaking, and, and this is, again, this is not from the Bible. Okay, I know it's confusing. Okay, look, closing the Bible, just stay on the joke. Okay, so then he goes, then he goes, uh, he thinks about it a while, and goes, I want to really understand women and how they think and what they need. And he goes, do you want two lanes or four lanes? Okay, that was a joke, right? Because um, I rushed it. But the, the joke is, is, a man wrote that joke, okay? Obviously. Because, again, men and women are different. <laughs> we're different. We're different in how we think. We're different in the way God's called us to function in a marriage and, and, and it takes time, it takes effort it takes loving effort to understand for a, a man, for a husband to understand his wife and his wife to understand her husband it takes time you know in, 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 uh, in uh, Keller's book on marriage the meaning of marriage, I use that for all people I'm going through uh, premarital counseling with um, he talks about how so many marriages that first year they're just really a lot of turmoil, a lot of struggle. And he's like, for, he says, for most of them, if they'll just kind of get through that first year, that hard part, because like two thirds of those marriages just end up being okay. Because what? It's, you don't understand the other person. You don't understand. Like if you, especially dudes, if you grew up with brothers and you're like, here's this. This is the first time I've had a, a, a woman as a roommate. You know, you're like, okay, how does this work? How does she think? How does she function? I was just making a joke. Why is she crying? Things like that, you know. Um, no sarcasm, what? Okay. But, uh, but the understanding. Leadership, headship isn't, look, I'm the way I am. I'm in charge, so we're gonna, everyone's going to do what I do. Headship, being a husband, is learning who you're called to care for and love and understanding her. With real understanding. And that takes time. That takes intention, being intentional. Live with your wife in an understanding way. And then here's the one that's, another one that's kind of gets, uh, what does this mean? Showing honor or respect for what? She is the weaker vessel. What does that mean? I'm just going to quote a guy named Rob Looper. He's, I, and every time I think about this text, I think about the sermon I heard when I was, I think we were either engaged or about to be, and my pastor in college preached on this text. And, and he put out um, a, a, a fine crystal champagne glass. 
dudes, this is what we are. <laughs> kind of throw it around, you know. I could drop it. It's full of water. I'm not going to drop it or throw it. I promise. But it'll be okay. And he says, you know, when he talks about weaker vessel, it says it's a weaker vessel is to be shown honor. You know, what do we do with the fine china and the crystals we have? A lot of us in this house, we put them in a china cabinet and they're just on display, right? They're, we, don't, we don't put them in the dishwasher. We don't throw them around. We don't, we, you know, again, this, where this falls apart is that, in this illustration, is that for a lot of us, the fine china is never used or never touched. Anyway, but, uh, but it, it, you know, again, that's not saying women can't, can't be touched. But it is saying that, it's not saying women are worse or lesser. It's saying that we're different. And the main reason we're different is obvious, and this has become less obvious in our world today, is that there's a physical difference between men and women, just in how in our strength, most men are made to be stronger than, than, than women, have more upper, upper body strength, things like that. So he's saying in, in a, in a, we've been made differently, men are made physically to be stronger, so show respect, be, be attentive, be, treat them as honored, precious vessels. That's what he's saying to husbands. Ladies, that sounds good, right? Does that sound bad? No, good. All right. Uh, but that, that's what he's saying. Be careful. Be, show honor. Be understanding. Because there's a physical difference uh, in, in strength and, and, and ability, things like that. But also, uh, in Gordon Bales, in his book, um, he points this out. There's, a, there's also some... Uh, a way that husbands can be more relationally objective and relationally strong for their wives. He, he goes back to it goes back to the garden. He goes back to the fall. That that for men, where did the curse affect us? Affect us in vocation and in productivity. Where did the fall? Where did the curse affect women in their relationships? So he says, you know, what, what, what's true is that for women, women gain, y'all gain, wives gain more of their identity from how the marriage itself is going. Men, not as much. And you would think, there's sin that happens with both of those things. Men can become, like I said, kind of in and out of orbit, doing their own thing. But for women, it can become, if there's a problem, it's the problem. There's, everything's a problem. I'm a problem. It's all... But husbands can be strong and help them see... God's promise for the relationship, help give objectivity, speak gospel truths into their mutual sanctification in marriage. And so there, there's a call to be, to be strong where a wife is weak, to be, but also to do it with honor. Not bullying, not, not aggressive, but, but showing honor and understanding and then if you're still like, is it, I still don't like this passage. It still seems like it's demeaning women. Look what it says. For, we, for you are heirs with you of the grace of life. We are all, we're co-heirs of the grace of, of life, of, of the salvation that's been wrought by Jesus Christ. Again, there is no... We're different. We're not the same, husbands and wives. And men and women aren't, aren't the same. They're not, and, and, and the role of husbands and wives is, is different. But we are equal in the sight of God. Equal, co-heirs, the grace of life. So what's the application? That was, that's, that's the application to, the, the, for, for wives, for 
for, uh, for, for husbands, but what about the application for all who serve Jesus? Our third point. To the married in the room, I want to ask you this. Does this ring true of your marriage? Hopefully, if you're in Christ, you're seeing some of this. Your heart, just Christ, the gospels move in your heart to this kind of submissive love and support wives to husbands. That, and as husbands, you're going, I, I need to, I need to. I'm called to love and cherish and know and understand and grow an understanding of my wife and care for her as precious and show honor to her. Hopefully, that's happening. If it's not. How can that be more so? How can this, how can this be more manifested? And then I want you, as, if you're married, to begin to pray that God would do that. Now, now okay, here's, here's the prayer I want you to make. Don't pray, make my husband more like this husband. <laughs> make my wife more like this. No. Pray that God would work on you. That Men, that you, husbands, you would be the husband described here. And that wives, that you'd be the wife described here. And that you would realize that you're not doing it because your husband's so great. <laughs> but because it's, the, it's the, what God's called you to do. And your hope is in God. And His work in you and in your husband. Um, to, um, and I, I, I'm sorry I skipped over this, but realize husbands... <laughs> The, the consequence of not doing this. Or, he says, you need to live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers may not be hindered. On the surface, it just, I mean, clear, the clear application is, the clear inter- interpretation is, if you don't love your wife rightly... There's a connection to how God hears and grants and and and, and uh, answers your prayers. Wow. And it may very well be because if, if you're not being kind, understanding to your wife, if you're not seeking to submit and be Christ-like, you're probably not going to be praying, asking God for what you need. She's probably not going to be as in, as, as desire to pray for you, husband. To be the kind of man you need to be if you're not being, not honoring her and loving her in an understanding way. You're definitely not going to be praying together for the same things if you're at odds in your marriage. But like, there's a lot. There's, God says I'm, it, it's, it's, it matters. And your prayers, how God hears our prayers is, hinges on that. So to married, ask yourself, is this, is this, is this describe me? Does this describe my marriage dynamic? To the unmarried, um, think, about, think about who who you want to marry. And think about the kind of person you want to be. For you young people who haven't been married yet. For those who, are, who have been married and are hoping to be married again. Um, think about that. Think about how, how this speaks into... You know, the person you're dating or who you want to date, um, it's important. It's important. Um, you know, he's speaking to a woman who's married to an, to an unbeliever, but this doesn't mean it's okay to marry an unbeliever. This is talking to the person that's married and then is converted. 
Don't look at this as, oh, he's cute, she's cute. I don't know what they believe, but let's get hitched. No. Uh, this is for someone who's been, been married, then converted, then realizes that the, the, the truth of the gospel. So, to the married, think about this. Your marriage for the unmarried who are desiring to be married. Think about, you know, how, does, how should this shape the person I'm trying to make myself to be and the kind of person I'm putting forward and, and, and who, I, who I'm looking for. And then to all of us, because some of us in the room are not married, haven't been married, or, or will not get married again. Um, and that's okay too. There's not, there's, not just, there, there's not just one way that God sanctifies His people and shows Himself and reveals Himself um, in His love. It doesn't have to be through marriage, but it, it, that is one of the ways. To all of us, though, we need to realize this, that we all draw people to Christ, not just in what we say, we need to proclaim the gospel, but how we live. And so again, if this, is, if this is a call to be more Christ-like wives, if this is a call to be more Christ-like husbands, and to see how, how specifically in a loving marriage that points to Jesus, the, the, the bigger application is we, we need to be loving and kind and honorable and, submit and submissive in all our relationships. And that really is the, the primary way that people see the legitimacy of the gospel proclamation. Transform lives. You loving them in a distinct way. You not putting your rights before theirs. You're not pushing your agenda. You being okay where they are with who they are and loving them where they are and so that they can see that, wow, what this person believes really does make a difference. Edmund Clowney says this. He says, the Christian who follows Jesus does not grasp for privilege, he or she is already privileged beyond imagination. And, and when we get that, it, it changes the way we live. It changes the way we deal with one another. Husbands and wives, yes, but, but just across the board. How we treat one another in the body of Christ, how we treat the unbeliever. That's the application for us all who serve Jesus. Um, the big picture, you know, with, with this marriage is important. Marriage is something made by God, and, and marriage is hard. It's a time. There's aspects of it that's frightening. Things we that it's hard. It's hard to do life with another person. Be so vulnerable with another person. Trust another person with your life. But we do it as husbands and wives, not, not, just, not just because he said so, but because we're living out Christ in that relationship. We're loving and submitting and honoring as Christ loved and submit and gave himself for us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for speaking into every aspect of our lives, including marriage. Lord, um, for some reason, that's a place where it's, it is a vulnerable thing. It is an intimate thing. But we, and sometimes we think, well, I, I, can, I, must, I can figure that out by myself. And I should figure it out by myself. And I should be able to figure this out. But Lord, we can't. 
We need you. We need your grace. We need your love. We need your mercy, Lord. Uh, help us speak into our lives and, and transform the marriages and transform all of our relationships here um, in our church. Make us all more and more into your image. Conform us into that way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Each week, each week here at uh, Faith, we um, hear the hear the gospel. We hear the word of God proclaimed, and we uh, we partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, it's here in the in your bulletin. It's printed an explanation of, of this meal, uh, communion. Um, the Lord's Supper is the family meal of Christians. We invite all committed followers of Jesus Christ to share in this sacrament. Those who are baptized members of a congregation that proclaims the gospel who are at peace with God and their neighbor and who seek strength to live in a deeper communion with Jesus. If you are not a Christian or you are not prepared to share in this meal, we encourage you to spend this time in prayer. We hope that this time is helpful to you as you consider your relationship with Jesus Christ, with his people, the church. Um, 
Um, there is no one here that's a perfect follower of Christ. There's no one here that's a perfect husband. There's no one here that's a perfect wife. We all struggle. We've all messed up. We've all sinned. Um, and, uh, but the, the hope, our, our hope as Christians is in the, the bridegroom of the church, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us. He is the perfect husband. And uh, he is the one who gives perfect submission to his father. And through, by his righteousness and through his sacrifice, we are redeemed. Um, so therefore, when we hear application, when we hear how we should live, we don't feel beat up. We feel empowered. We feel aware because now in the freedom of the gospel and freedom of being secure in Christ, we can begin to die to sin and live under righteousness. So um, this is a reminder that you're in, that what Christ has done is for you, that his sacrifice is for you, that uh, you, um, you, are, you have a seat at the table. You are a co-heir of the grace of life through Jesus Christ. Um, that's what this says. That's what this means. Um, if you are new here, I'm going to tell you how we do this. Um, if you're in these front three sections here, you're going to come and receive the elements of this table. We, we go from left to right. If you're in that back area there, you're going to go receive the elements from Shannon and Peck. And if you're in this table, I mean this, this area here, you're going to receive the elements uh, uh, from, from Tim and Vince. Uh, with that said, let's um, now feed on Christ by faith.
On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. As I'm ministering in his name, give this bread to you. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you again for your word and for the ways you have designed our relationships to reflect your love, your compassion, your, your glory. Um, we, can't, we can't do it on our own and we need you. And so we thank you that we have received you. We, we're indwelt by your spirit. And we, I pray that we would leave here today... Um, with a with greater imagination of what how our how marriages our marriages could be transformed, how our relationships in general could be transformed, and how you can use us to draw one another to to yourself, but even the unbelievers to yourself. Um, be at work in and through us. Make us more and more to your image. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together our final. Him, all glory be to Christ. See you.
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and bodies be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Amen.